Raven, Xbox and PlayStation are both up to something. Unfortunately, Overwatch is not. Let's talk about it. everybody and welcome to another edition of the making fun podcast my name is casey johnson alongside me as always is my lifelong friend my groomsman the only man who could speed run his own wedding it's raven stad miller raven how are you brother i'm doing quite well casey how about yourself you know <laughs> uh you, we this time 66 I do days know. till the wedding yeah only um, 66 only 66 uh, I go to Florida in two days for a weekend, mm-hmm. which we were talking about before we started recording. To like, to me, this is the first time it's ever felt like a work trip going to such a beautiful yeah. place. Because we're just like going there. We're not taking time to enjoy ourselves. We're just going there and getting back on planes, no less. So it's not even yeah. like, ooh, you get to enjoy the ride through. Nope, we're not. <laughs> we're just let's, going let's... there and coming back. Let's make sure to mention, too, that it's beautiful in appearance in some areas. Uh, The current legislature of Florida is not beautiful, and we're going to leave it at that. Right. Um, So, you know, I've I've got that going on, and all wedding plan—I'll get to this, but the the (laughs) momentum on wedding planning has come to a halt a little bit. Oh, no. um, Because there is a tornado that has been sweeping— through our house that I have nicknamed oh, yeah. Tears of the Wedding. <laughs> um yeah. but we will we will get to that. First I want to tell you why I'm so excited. And I okay. I, I legit you know it when you get to this point in the process, when you have so many irons in the fire, Raven, you you know as well as anybody, you just came out of this. You gotta find the little things to get you through. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, that's what she said. Here's my, um, here's my little thing that's, that's getting me through. Um, Mm. so I have a package that is coming in the mail tomorrow that is candy. And I know what you're saying, Casey, you can find candy at a lot of different places. What's special about this? Raven, do you remember when we were kids? There were uh, vaguely. <laughs> no, oh, oh, God, we're not starting well. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, God, that that was that was part one of sentence one, and you're like, <sighs> uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> tell me I had to be prepped for a test today, Casey. <laughs> I spent today not studying or thinking about myself because it makes me sad. Okay, so, so candy that we were kids. Are you going to say cream savers? Am I going to ruin I'm, the thing? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Okay. No. Altoid Sours. Do you remember these? I, I imagine that they existed and it makes sense, but I don't think I ever had an Altoid Sour. Do a quick Google because I'm sure you are going to at least recognize the tin that they came in. But say, I say, I know what Altoids are, of course. I've just never heard of an Altoid Sour. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting, <laughs> I was expecting them to just be in the. Uh, in the same tins that regular Altoids are in. Right, right, right. But you you very distinctly remember these tins. How could you not? Right, um, right, right. And let me tell you what, buddy. 
Um, there is a candy maker in in the north of Florida in Tallahassee that painstakingly recreated them. Wow. And they're like nostalgic and everybody loves them and they will be in my mailbox tomorrow. And when I tell you that I am living for this, okay, the, the... the NFL draft is over. The NBA draft lottery is over, so we know what pick we're going to get. It's all quiet on the Western front, basically until the wedding. So this is this is my thing right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna hey, you know, eat a bunch of these. It's super important to remember that it's the little things that help get you through every day. Oh yeah. But especially whenever you're planning an event that so many people are going to be in attendance of. Oh my God. Yes. uh, I'm not going to say any more words as to not frighten you anymore. Um, (laughs) Well, no, I'm there. You're frightened enough. There's not much that you can do. That's going to make this worse. What, what's our worst case scenario? We take it from a nine to a 10. Like (laughs) (laughs) fair enough. Uh, so what what have you been playing? And then I'll I'll, I'll get to my uh, my issues. I suppose. You'll get you'll get to your tears. Yeah. Um. So I have not been playing uh, one game that is about crying. I have been poor. I think is the best way to describe it. You know, spending yeah. spending a couple thousand dollars at a wedding, kind of kind of hits you hits you a, a little bit in the wallet. And so I've decided that it's like, at first I wasn't too bummed about it because I was like, yeah, I have a bunch of other games I'm going to get through. It'll be great. And then now I'm hearing everybody play it and talk about how good it is. And I'm like, fuck, I really want to play it. Um, But that's neither here nor there. I've been playing a couple of different games. We're continuing through Final Fantasy 13. And it is, I can say with confidence, the most boring game for a co-op, like a couch partner to watch you play. Okay. Final Fantasy 13 has nothing interesting going on movement wise has nothing really particularly interesting in combat um it is fun to get into combat and do the combat but watching somebody walk down a path get into a combat do the combat gets very repetitive very quickly yeah there's no room to really explore in final fantasy 13 um and so i told emily i was like hey if you don't want to watch me play this anymore I get it. I'm totally on board for that. We can play something else. Uh, so we might be playing Prince of Persia next week, but I'll okay. let you know next week if that's the case. Sounds good. Um, the other things that I have been playing, I have I have continued to play Octopath Traveler 2. I have gotten farther in Octopath 2 than I did in Octopath 1. That's good. I have finished the main routes of the first four characters that I acquired, and I am on my pace to do the second four characters. And kind of explore the map that way. Um, all of the independent stories kind of resolve themselves nicely, and they were all interesting in their own right. I've only done one crossover like story so far, which mm. is kind of a bummer. Um, but overall, has been the game has been a treat and has been a delight to play. Um, the only thing outside of that is on my phone. I have been playing a little bit of a little ROM hack for Pokemon called Pokemon Radical Red, which tries and achieves to be a fairly difficult ROM hack that has pretty much any Pokemon that you can 
asked for up until even through Legends Arceus. Um, but it's through a Game Boy emulator. So it's not like it's like a uh, like an EXE file that I'll play. It is a ROM of Pokemon Fire Red that I patched. So they were able to fit so much more into this, such this tiny little constraints. And it's super cool to play. Mm. Do a lot of type changes, do a lot of balance changes and stuff. I've been playing that here and there. I think I put like four or five hours into it. It's not something that I want to sit down and grind because I feel like I'd get really frustrated at. But it's like I could do a couple of battles, a couple of big battles every couple, every day or so. And just do like a badge or two uh, yeah. every every week. And um, enjoy, take my pace at that. But but yeah, so I, I expect my, myself to be done with Octopath in about by the end of May, and then hopefully at that point, uh, get through a lot of my other games of Backlog, because there are plenty. Hmm. How about you? Well, you, you want to... Let's, let's go. I already know what you guys have been up to, so I can be your therapist if you need. <laughs> um, you, this, is an, this is a safe space that we can talk. Um, you can tell me what's in your mind. There's only going to be a few people that are going to listen to this. So you have nothing to worry about. First, I want I want to speak to myself. Before before I speak to Nia, for sure. Um, and in a surprise move for this show, I'd like to take this opportunity to read a passage from the Holy Bible. Matthew six thirty four states: "Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day." is the evil thereof. Now, if we translate that into modern speech, basically what it's saying is don't worry about tomorrow. Don't put any plans. Don't put any thought out there because tomorrow will take care of tomorrow. Today is what you need to take care of. I have learned this lesson over the past couple of weeks from a gaming perspective. Because, and we we did this ourselves, right? We looked at, and Raven is still thinking, how in the world does it still connect to this Bible verse? I'm getting there. Um, we plotted out our entire year at the beginning of this year. We talked about, you know, the year that was going to happen, what we were going to play when, what was going to interfere with other stuff. And I had a significant period of time on the schedule to go deep, deep into Redfall. (laughs) (laughs) Because at the time, (laughs) we thought it was going to be a blockbuster. Or at the very least, like a 7.5 or 8 out of 10. Yeah. Well, something <sighs> something interesting to start bringing to start bringing the Xbox overhaul right to line right, right, right. Something something there to start us off. Yeah, so I heard all of the bad stuff and I I had my own worries because that developer direct famously i was like something doesn't look right here but i was like you know even if this game is just mediocre 
I can spend time on this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it 20 minutes. It, <laughs> I didn't make it as far as I did in Forspoken. Wow. Like, it would just like... And, and, and there's something to be said for... You can't exactly put your finger on it, right? But... And I, you know, I, I encourage you to do the same thing at some point. Download it just so that you can put your very literally, right? Your finger on the button because there is just something about it. That's like, Oh yeah, this is bad. Like (laughs) there's just something innate about it that as soon as you, it's like, Oh, Oh yeah, this doesn't feel good. (laughs) These, it just, it just feels off. And you know, the game is so based around stealth, which, by the way, that should be a green flag for your boy. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, much. I love that kind of stuff. I, my favorite yeah. franchise ever is Assassin's Creed. Oh God, there were Assassin's Creed leaks. I have to add something to the list. Dang it! Oh um, what? Yeah. Um, anyway, the uh, we're <laughs> producing it on the fly, <laughs> folks. Um, we already had such a stacked show. What are we? What okay. are we? It's, a, now? it's okay. I'll talk quicker. Um, <laughs> okay. But right. the um, you don't need to be stealthy. You just don't. Like you can like walk right up to some enemies, and they will just not notice you. <laughs> Um, so it's fundamentally broken in that respect. It's fundamentally broken in a lot of respect, but it's a bad game. I uninstalled it. I promise you guys I would have thoughts. I didn't play it enough to have thoughts. I played, I killed my first vampire. Uh, it was bad. It was a bad game. Um, but as a result, I am, in, you know, there was a Netflix commercial not too long ago, uh, a couple of years ago, probably that was like, are you in a show hole? You just don't know, and it's it's like, you don't know what to watch next. You don't want to, you know, redo all of this stuff that you already did. You know, you want something new, you don't have it. Netflix, you know, trademark. Yeah. I'm in a game hole. Because I had yeah. this time specifically allotted for Redfall. For Redfall. And so I've been bouncing around, dude. I've, I've just been, like, piddling around in sports games. None of that works. Um... I've been doing the the Burning Shores DLC for Forbidden West, and it's like solid, but it's also like just fine. I mean, it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, the the storyline is basically that there there's another one of them, and uh, we gotta go kill him. That I mean, that's that's the storyline. Um, yeah, so it really, it feels like a half-hearted epilogue to the game in some ways. So, you know, I've been working my way through it and I'm like enjoying it, but it's not like I want to really sink my teeth into. Um, I think my saving grace though, shockingly, is going to be South Park, the stick of truth. And let me tell you why. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I played South Park the Stick of Truth when it when Fractured But Whole came out. Sure. And I really liked the game. At the time I had never watched a single episode of South Park. Well, okay. not too long ago Nia and I decided that it was, 
you know, finally time. And so we've been we've been going through South Park. We're like midway through season six. And now I like I understand it and I'm like passionate about the IP. So I restarted it and I'm just like 30 minutes in. But like I'm already enjoying it so much. And I didn't like the um the second one when I immediately like played it for the first time, but I'm gonna give it another shot and try to see it through. I did not like the combat. You can only get so RPG on me. Uh and the combat was like yeah. and I, I'm about to make a fool of myself trying to describe an RPG's combat. But it was like you're like you're standing in the squares and you're moving around the squares, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's like part strategy RPG, yeah, part Mega Man Battle yeah. Network tile RPG. It, 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 yeah, it's it's tile based, and it's like I can understand doing turn based as long as the animations are comedic, yeah, and the downtime doesn't feel like downtime because it's still interesting to watch evolve." But yeah. actually having to plan out strategy is something that's a lot more uh, hard to ask for a lot of casual players, especially for South Park players, I yeah. think. And that isn't anything against somebody who likes South Park. I played the Stick of Truth. I don't think I would want to play the Fractured Yet Whole. Or Butthole, sorry. <laughs> why I decided to censor you said myself. Butthole. Um but I don't think I would play that, right? Because I'm not going in it to play like some really intense RPG. I just want to watch dumb South Parkisms. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think there's something to be said at a certain point for. I'm just gonna put it on easy and kind of just like run through it. Um, but and it, you know, I'll be there for it, and the combat will be something to get me to the next thing. So we'll we'll see what happens there, but it you know it sort of breathed new life into me because it's actually something that I want to play again mm -hmm. right now. But uh, yeah, I'm waiting on stuff, and uh, I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting to be wowed. Yeah, no, I think I think that is fair. I mean, that's just part of the issue with the year, right? I think that not only has Redfall been a disappointment, there have been so we were so hyped about 2023 coming into this year, and it yeah. is just under delivered so far there's just not been yeah. a ton that has come out that has like been like widely received as good except for one game in the you know i think right now there's i can i can count three maybe four major releases this year that have come out to critical acclaim and it's significantly more than that the experiences that we've had ruined for us um, along yeah. the way in one way or the other. And um, here actually very soon, Raven and I, it was going to be um, last week, but then we didn't record last week and, and then it was going to be this week. But uh, Sony's like, hey, guys. Um, so probably in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the year um, at large. Hopefully pre what used to be E3 time so that we can try to diagnose exactly what's wrong and what needs to happen. Because, I, you know, I've got lists made from last week, but, you know, Raven just stumbled in and into an entire diatribe that I'm ready to <laughs> give, but we don't have the time to receive today. Yeah. Um, that being said, he was trying to segue me into Tears of the Kingdom and... Raven, man. Yeah. I 
for, first, I want to be clear that like I've been watching Nia play it because I'm really curious about it, and yeah. I've almost started my own playthrough several times, partly because I have nothing else to do, but partly because a lot of my, like, Ugh, I don't want to play this, mm-hmm. that I had during Breath of the Wild for so long, um, is just, like, not present here. And, like, I, you know, it, it was, it's like I was saying earlier, some of it's innate, um, yeah. and I, I don't know what it is, it's kind of an instinct, but nevertheless... I want to be clear that from what I've seen so far, every issue that Breath of the Wild had, they addressed. It looks tremendous. It looks, you know, a lot of people think that's improving on perfection, but I I do believe that they improved upon it. Um, Nia is already getting into wacky hijinks with, you know, fusing and, like, trying to, to dive for so long into... Uh, you know, a pawn so that you don't take fall damage, and then it, you know, it just, you miss, and you splatter onto the docks. It's it's tremendous. With that being said, mm-hmm. gosh darn it, Raven, if she's not falling into the same trap, she's doing the same thing she did on Breath of the Wild. It took her three days to do the introductory island. And I'm, and I, I'm telling her, like, you need to like do these shrines and get abilities so that you can traverse better so that you can do all of this. And like, and like, she's like, well, I can't get over there. And I'm like, yeah, you can just go around. And she's like, Oh yeah. And then like, ah, it's the same trap. And I'm trying to save her from herself, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how yeah. she's a last time yeah. she said she wished she had listened to me. Now she's a repeat offender. I don't. <laughs> she still wishes she's listens to you, but you have to remember too. It's just like you get in the moment and you're just so excited about just running around sometimes. Yeah, I know, but, but I get it. I get it. If I, it, I asked Emily, if she wanted to play breath of the wild and she said no, because that she knows that she would just like, be in a never a non-stop never-ending loop more or less oh, yeah uh, of the same kind of stuff and so i was like thank you honey I, I appreciate you so much um but yeah no it's just that is just how that game is and i'm so happy that at least she's having fun right it's not like she's frustrated about it theoretically she she, she yeah uh <laughs> oh well, it just <sighs> there have been some tense conversations, uh, sure. <laughs> because like it's you know it's for for what it's worth it's the same thing as the first game where like do these few introductory shrines so that you can give your new arm enough power to unlock the magic door, um, and yeah. like there's very obviously just three shrines. And she's trying to climb up to the top of mountains on this introductory sky island. Like, oh, I'm trying to find the shrines. No, you can see the shrines, but I can't get over to that one. Yes, you can. Then she's mad at me. (laughs) And then she, like, goes over and does it. The, The issue is, right, for those of us who have been doing open world games for so long, you develop this sixth sense for, like, 
okay, so here's the point when I need to explore, right? Like I get myself to this point and then it opens up and now I can explore. And that's one thing that she hasn't like developed yet. She just like wants to explore right away at level one. Um, and so like she has sort of explored a little bit more than she needed to and like frustrated herself with traversal and trying to get to places that like don't even up netting her any fruit from her labor Mm -hmm. um, to the point where we're, we're still trying to, to strike that balance and she eventually yeah. got past it, and now she's officially in like the the explorey part. She she did the whole, oh my god, I'm reuniting with all of these friends, you know, portion that has to happen right after the introduction on everything. Of course, um, but we're it's you know it's it's to the place where she's getting frustrated, and we're trying to figure out how what the best method is to not limit her creativity. But save her the frustration, uh, which right. ironically we're going to be talking about something very similar to that uh, soon in <laughs> in relation to an interview that Phil Spencer did. But yeah, she's obsessed. <laughs> is the easiest for way better to put or it. for worse? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Well, it's a game that I'm looking forward to playing in uh, too long from now, given yeah. how much how many good things I've heard about it. So. You know what, though? I will say, though, I think this is a really good thing for you to have in terms of a break. Um, Because right now you're sort of taking time off from the big open worlds. Yes. And this one would be the one that made you quit gaming forever, maybe. Probably. Right? Because there's a world on the land, there's a world in the sky, and there's a world below. There's a, the world below. <laughs> Shit. Well, <laughs> maybe I don't want to play this game. And don't get me wrong, like, it's all super cool stuff, but it is, like, the even in the IGN review, it was like, I've put 120 hours in this game, and there's still so much to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, at least I don't know. There, I was gonna say there's like some upside, but there really isn't. And it's like I have felt a lot better about not playing open world games because I simply haven't played like hardly that many recently. Yeah, which just with wedding planning, and now that I'm getting back into the rhythm of playing more games, it's just like I kind of do want to go back and play the Horizon DLC because that's been out, and that's something that I should play, um, but I just haven't yet. Um, but I feel also like I should. It's like something I want to play actively. Yeah. And it's just something I haven't considered doing yet. I will say, though, that, like, the Burning Shores area itself is, like, the right type of open world. So I, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to have too many awful issues with it because it's, you know, it's it's a map unto itself. It's super well-managed. Mm-hmm. So we've got that going for us at least. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I guess let's get to it. We filibustered long enough here. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you don't look at the mountain that you have to climb because yeah. then you have to realize that there's a mountain. 
Uh, let's <laughs> get because to you the realize news. there's not a shrine at the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know the funny thing is the shrines have these like literal giant glowing beacons on the top of them to help you find them easier now. And mm-hmm. anyway, um. Let's start with some Overwatch news. Overwatch 2's PvE hero mode is being scrapped. And, Raven, this is something that you specifically reached out to me to comment about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which means I know you've got thoughts. Yep. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and turn you loose. (laughs) So... Overwatch 2 was a game that was announced a few years ago back uh, during before Blizzard's tragic Icarus fall. It was a game that was still being directed by Jeff Kaplan. We were they were people were told that Overwatch 2 was going to be the same Overwatch 1 reformatted a little bit, but most importantly it was going to launch with a major PvE section including RPG skill trees a variety of characters to try and an overall story, something that people have been asking for the Overwatch team for a lot. Uh, when the game, a lot has changed in development. You know, there have been all of the, uh, how do I say, controversies with Blizzard and about how their work culture is extre- exceedingly toxic. There have been a lot of, a lot of um, people leaving the the company because of that, including Jeff Kaplan. And so now we're just left with a bunch of people who need to ship a game. And so last year they said, hey, we're not going to release the PvE right now. We do have the PvP. We are going to release that. Here, give us more money. In the future, we will have the PvE. So some people bought it, the people who mostly want to play the PvP, but some people who are really excited about the PvE that we saw at at BlizzCon... And we're like, okay, cool. Now we'll just wait for that. And for them to go back on that is exceptionally frustrating because yeah. it was something that people were looking forward to. It was the big ticket item. The game hasn't changed enough to justify an Overwatch 2 in the name and a new price tag because all they've done is they've eliminated one hero from each side. So instead of it being 6v6, it is now 5v5. Same kinds of events, same kinds of skins. They've added in a loot, a battle pass. They've removed certain abilities to play. And then now they're not adding this PvE. So it's just like... It, it is just such a far cry to see the team that's currently managing Overwatch compared to the team that was managing Overwatch back whenever I played Overwatch. Mm. Um, and it's kind of just sad, you know? A lot of people are rightfully very upset about this, so I'm interested to see kind of where it goes from here. Yeah, and it's one of those situations where we have to remember to place the blame where it lies, right? Which is not on the ground floor. No, no. Uh, Jason Schreier had a really nice tweet that really put... You know, it puts some things in perspective where it says, I'll be recording plenty on Overwatch 2 in the future, but for now. Maintaining a live service game is hard enough without building a totally new game on top, which is hard enough without constant company crises, which is hard enough without massive attrition. So as far as, like, the people on the ground floor of all of this, like, 
let's keep in mind that this, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with those very talented people. At a top level, however, this is nothing short of a major flub. And as far as that particular flub, I'm really interested to see what happens now. Because as we are going to talk about a little bit later, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal is currently back on. So what do you do from here? I mean, you have to continue putting up the live service game. People have paid for it. That right. is a thing that people have now. And their and their agreement and what they've said is that they're scrapping the original big overarching single player and they're just do, going back to smaller drops periodically, kind of like pretty much everybody's kind of under the assumption it's going to be what happened in Overwatch 1 where events would come out and then you would play the events and that would be your kind of single player yeah. uh, PVE mode. And so it's just like, right now it's exceptionally difficult to be in the overwatch team's shoes because now they have to continue to work on a game that they know they're going to lose people over or players over because they can't meet the goal the one main selling point that they had is just unattainable now yeah and it's just a it's a really rough situation to be in well uh in the way of uh brighter news um yesterday some things potentially leaked regarding what assassin's creed mirage might look like and if that is to be the case if this is what is to you know what what we're supposed to believe um then Gosh darn it, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Um, so noted Assassin's Creed leaker goes by the name of Jonathan. Um, to be clear, this is the guy who um just basically got everything right previously. Um mm-hmm. like the last time that they were going to do that Assassin's Creed direct thing, he was like, here's what it's going to be. Um, and then that is exactly what happened. Um, yeah, and that's what it was. So I, I, I'm i tempted to put some credence um, to this. He has said there are a number of really awesome things that are taking place. And essentially, Raven, uh, this sounds kind of like what I sort of have dreamed of. Um, The return of factions, so like you can hire thieves and mercenaries and everything like that. Super stealth-based, more stuff along the the lines of like the recon missions. 
um, that you would do in in the first few entries of the series. Small map. It's just Baghdad and you know the the surrounding areas. Small skill tree. It's just like fifteen different skills. Four main mm-hmm. assassination targets. Um, which for perspective, that's less than Assassin's Creed back in two thousand seven. Um, yeah. Sequences and cutscenes set in the modern day will be like somewhat limited. Um, and the notoriety system is going to come back. Like all all of these things that are like a dream for me. Like mm-hmm. if all of this is true, uh, and furthermore, he does say it could be pushed to November, but as of right now, they're looking internally at October 12th, which means it will probably actually come out on the 13th, just to say that he was wrong. <laughs> well, he can't be totally right, but they might push it back now. So who's to say? Oh, man. How exciting. Exciting that sounds. That sounds like everything that I've wanted from an Assassin's Creed game in years, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, too, because the leak coincides with Ubisoft throwing more devs at the project. Um, So there's like a 40% increase in the development staff for Assassin's Creed. Um, So the the thing that excites me about that is you've got a 40% increase in like all of the people who are just now finding out all of these plans because they've now been put on that project. So that coinciding with a leak sort of leads me to believe, right? That like that's 40% more people who just have this influx of information who are now potentially the rat, which is good for us, Mm -hmm. but yeah. But also bad for the person who is the rat. Yeah, no, that's especially if this particular person uh, gets caught. Up next, it's been what a roller coaster for the, the last couple of weeks uh, for Microsoft. Immediately after we got done recording last episode, Phil Spencer did a now highly publicized uh, interview with the uh, Xbox show over at Kinda Funny, which, by the way, he already had that like on the calendar. It wasn't scheduled in response. He just already had it on the calendar and chose not to cancel it. Um mm-hmm. which a lot of people are giving him kudos for. I am not. Um but we'll get to that. Um Raven, there's a lot of really interesting nuggets that at this point have been publicized like crazy. So I, I don't want to spend too long on this interview. But was this the one of the more fascinating interviews that you've ever seen, particularly the head, somebody in this position ever give? Yeah. Sorry, I was just lost in the words that you were saying. I could, I was lost in your eyes from here. Could you repeat that last sentence for me? Is this one of the more fascinating interviews you've ever seen not only in the games industry but just especially from somebody in phil spencer's position yes 
there was a certain amount of candor and a certain amount of casual uh, casualness that I think was really important and very nice to see coming from somebody in his position. Uh, even during like a pretty big interview where it was just like going to be this thing where hopefully they were going to talk about the like the success of Redfall because as Phil Spencer said, he said that they were reviewing favorably internally like they were having people come in and people were saying it looked good during like quote unquote mock interviews right he said that uh the mock reviews were quote double digits above what they got so at that point we're talking it's in the mid to upper 70s versus the mid 60s yeah which is the difference between a bad game and an and a forgotten game, right. which sounds like a weird thing to say, but I would rather be forgotten than be known as bad. Yeah, uh, which is hopefully I think kind of what they were hoping for. And even a, a forgetful game in a couple, a forgotten game in a couple of years still would have been a good enough of an incentive to start kind of have people looking at the Xbox um, ecosystem and the Xbox stuff. Mm. Um, I think that seeing how casual he was and recognizing and acknowledging that, yeah, they've been a little bit too hands off. And so they're really going to start getting with these groups more and seeing more and more on what they need to succeed yeah. because they're tired of failing and good on them. Good on them for being tired of failing. Yeah. I am tired of failing too. And, you know, I think one of the things too, that he put into perspective really well, because, you know, he set the precedent was set, like, as soon as they were like, Phil Spencer, how you doing, man? He basically was just like, you know, I have been better. Like, yeah. <laughs> like this is not a good week. And the first thing that they talked about was um, the Activision Blizzard deal getting blocked over in the UK, which I want to circle back to at the end of the discussion about this interview because we have a very significant update uh, on that. But he used phrasing like, it sucks watching the community lose confidence. And all of the ways that it like is personally sickening to him when stuff like this happened. And they talked about the idea of delays versus quality control, creative ambition versus quality control. Um, he brought up the idea of hi-fi and like nobody expected the devs for hi-fi to come out with something like hi-fi, but Mm hi-fi did, you know, hi-fi rush did super well creatively at this point is what we're talking about. Not in terms of sales or whatever, but he said, you know, when we come on to a project that's midway through, what are we supposed to say in terms of quality control? How are we supposed, like he said, one thing that I refuse to do is like limit my devs. I want them to come up with something that they're passionate about. So where do we say, Hey, this game isn't realizing it's creative vision. And at what point is it, too far baked to take it out of the oven because he said, listen, we could have delayed it. The delay wouldn't have helped. 
The, yeah. uh, an exact quote is that it is simplistics to say that if we would delay it for three months, the core creative of the game would have changed. Which, then, he's got a point. Yeah, 100% has a point. The, there, there is an issue, of course, that they could have delayed and it would fix the performance issues that people are having with this game. And I think that's a fair criticism. However, Phil Spencer's 100% right that it wouldn't fix people's overall issue with the gameplay. The game would play better, but play the same. Right. Ultimately, it would still be a bad game. Yeah. And he, you know, he was very clear about the importance of $70 and the fact that not everybody is, you know, using Game Pass. And he got a a, a question from Paris Lilly where Paris said, you know, you, you have this 12-month plan and you haven't necessarily, and Phil cut him off. He said, no, there's no necessarily. We didn't deliver on that. We just didn't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, props to the man. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and he was even saying stuff like, at some point I'll have enough knocks against me that it's somebody else here talking to you. Wow. wow. We had, we had grumpy Phil. Yeah. Yeah. He, is, he, he, he said exactly. I'm in cranky mode. Um, yeah. and he was talking about the fact that like, you shouldn't believe me when I say this, but I'm still going to say it. I can see things finally lining up. I can see it, but I can't talk about it. We have to like be about it. And he says, you know, people are going to say, I don't hear, want to hear what he has to say. I can see that. I look at it and I can see it, but none of my words should matter to you Mm -hmm. right now. And one thing that he, he spoke about interestingly to me is Starfield. And he talked about, like, at what point you are entering during a game's dev cycle. Because by the time that they made it to Redfall, right, it was, Redfall kind of was, in some form or fashion, what it was going to be. They should have supported it better. There are things that they could have done to really help it out. But when they got in sort of on the ground level of Starfield, it kind of makes me think that like Starfield is a game that Xbox is going to have more creative ownership of than Redfall. And it kind of reminds me of like when you hire a new coach or a new general manager for your sports team, but you still have like all of the players that the previous GM like ultimately you have to spend time building your team and there's a like an awkward middle part that almost kind of seems like what he's saying there yeah they're they're and I mean like it's a hundred percent true it's not like you can just like a crew assemble a crew of people who are already working on something and being like all right it's gonna be perfect because it's like they agreed to be purchased for one reason, a couple of reasons, right? Yeah. They could have had a lack of faith in their project. Um, but also money. But that's not the important part here. The The important part is that you have to be able to see in the games world, a, an average game takes like four to five years to make, right? Yeah. So we are seeing things that have been in the tank for a while. And for Redfall's case... 
it was fundamentally broken years ago, and there's nothing that they can do to fix that without a lot, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. But, but we are, as you said, we are approaching the midway point. And so hopefully things are uphill from here. One of the only times I like things to be uphill is whenever we're talking about a metaphorical one. Right. And he said something that like really sort of confused me toward the end. Sure. And it was probably the thing that people have been running with the most from this interview. And I've heard multiple reports from like the Ryan McCaffrey's of the world who would absolutely know that there are longtime Xbox employees who have been significantly disgruntled by this statement. And it's when he was talking about the fact that Xbox in some ways is not a competitor to PlayStation and Nintendo because he said, like, we just have a different vision. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, it almost reminded me of, like, when somebody will be like, that's just not the way that I was raised to like justify a problem that they definitely need to work on. Like Mm -hmm. that is just a problem with them and the nature versus nurture argument of it. When he was like, we just have a different vision. He's like, why would you ever say you're not trying to be the best? And then when he said putting out great games won't fix anything. What? Sure. Sure it will. That's the exact thing that it'll do. But the other part, too, is that it's... Yeah. I I think that... I don't know if you have this on your docket to talk about, but there is one key takeaway that I still think about. Um, Phil Spencer... and And I think it ties into what you just said. Phil Spencer at one point says that Xbox's biggest flaw is the fact that it lost the Xbox One war, and that's going to cost it forever. Yeah. Um, they lost They lost in the PS4 versus Xbox One, which was the time that everybody was bulking up their digital libraries. And with a physical library, it's a little bit easier to decide to jump ship because you have that... It's not worth nearly as much as you bought it for usually, but you could still trade in your physical games. I will always probably have whatever the newest PlayStation is. Right. As long as they keep making them. Because I have so many digital games, but I don't have any for Xbox. I don't have anything for Xbox. So me wanting to buy an Xbox is completely dependent on the games that they release and my desire to play Game Pass on the television. And that is it. Yeah. Here's but, no, here's I, my thing though, right? Mm-hmm. The more I think about that particular statement, the more I'm wholly confused by it. Um because you know, yes, everybody's building this digital catalog of games in the Xbox 1 generation, but Xbox was first of all poised to win that generation yeah because coming off of the success of the 360 yeah absolutely they had the cachet 
in the market. They have the external brand deals, which that's something that Phil Spencer doesn't want to talk about, right? He literally said, oh, well, other people do these external deals that aren't favorable to us. Uh, that's how y'all built Xbox, first of all. But my thing is, you lost the Xbox One generation, which is when everybody was building their catalog of digital games. Mm-hmm. But you've started collecting studios with very rich catalogs like Infinity Stones. Yeah. And to then say that, like, it's it's like he posits that it's over, that you can never... And here's the thing. Build that catalog of games now. People are going to want to support Xbox. People are going to... Y- y- you can't discount the idea of the killer app like that and going into the Xbox One generation Xbox had the killer app but they they squandered all of these killer apps they yeah. squandered Halo they squandered Fable Forza's the only one that's never really missed And so, like, it's not like they were building this big digital catalog and it just turned out to be misses. They just weren't building their digital catalog. They don't have a killer app. They need a some form of a AAA title. And to say that it will affect Xbox forever, well, no. I mean, if you put out four more years, as we enter the midway point right of this generation, if you put out four more years of excellent games, guess what? People are going to buy it. Especially because you're giving them so many ways to play. Especially because they can play all of their Xbox games on their Republic of Gamer Ally. Or especially because they can play all of their Xbox games on the computer. It doesn't have to be an Xbox itself. You're giving them so many entry points into the ecosystem that I can't understand the argument that if you don't, if you build it, they won't come. Yeah. Like, they obviously will come because that's what. Sony did, right? In the in the PS4 generation, Sony flipped everything back on its head from system architecture all the way up and played the game that Xbox had been playing and had really won at significantly better than Xbox played it cuz Xbox pivoted. Yeah. So the way that PlayStation turned itself around when it looked like they would never recover, Xbox can do the same thing. Why are you saying that it's over? Yeah. It's, I, I think tapping out at this point or saying that you're the underdog or saying that it's too late, I think is an admission of defeat that hasn't been served yet. I think that mm. you are down on your luck. I still think that your current console has sold a lot of units. I, I don't... I don't think that you're out of the running yet. Right. It's there um, to be built upon. Exactly. It's it's you've they've sold almost twenty 
they have sold 20.36 million units already uh in the uh in the past 26 months which is outselling the Xbox 1 by over 1 million units which is that's still 20 million people who believe in your mission statement and believe in the platform that you have created. And honestly, every time I hear Phil Spencer talk and I watch more stuff from Xbox, I am more and more convinced. Like, I think that Xbox is a good platform. Yeah. I just don't have the desire to swap over because I haven't gotten that one thing that's made me just go like, yeah, I really, really want to have an Xbox Series X. The... Game Pass is like 95% of the way there. Game Pass is such an ingenious way to get people games that I think is severely underestimated. and Or not severely underestimated. I think that they hit a goldmine with it. I think it's exactly what they needed to kind of keep afloat. And they need to capitalize on it more, which they are, by buffing out their library with more and more exclusive games that'll come to it. And whenever we hear more about Fable and I decide I want to play the old Fable games, I will 100% be purchasing mm. uh, an Xbox Series X so I can play it on my future OLED television in my basement and have a grand old time. Yeah. But until that time, I don't I don't want to say I don't care because it sounds harsh, but I just don't. I just don't, you know? And that's, I think that's the ironic thing, though, is that, you know, you don't care you are not compelled to switch and yet you are a part of the Xbox ecosystem. Yeah. Because of your PC, right? So we talk yep. about the fact that, you know, it sold this many millions of units. Well, what about the people who that doesn't count the probably double that who play Xbox games on their PC because that is what you set up for yourself. So yeah. it kind of it it all folds back in on itself at a certain point that I don't think he should have done this interview. Yeah. It certainly didn't inspire any brand confidence. No, it didn't. And it's like I think that it, it, it's not I am not confident in the brand i am confident in phil spencer and that's why i want to support xbox because i think that he has always seemed like a very candid and very open and honest person but like xbox has as far as we are aware three games coming out they have fable which they have talked nothing about since its reveal mm. which makes sense let him cook you know let that let that thing simmer as long as you need to baby i'll be there to play it um I've played other bad Fable games. Um, they have Forza coming out, which Forza always is a hit because people love their Forza. And then you have Starfield coming out this fall, this holiday. Mm -hmm. But what else you got cooking, baby? That's like nothing going on, you know? Like we know that technically... Elder Scrolls 6 is cooking somewhere in the background. That is a thing that they're technically working on. Um, because it's been revealed that they have been working on it, but we don't know anything about it yet. Mm. So I, I I am I am nervous about the lack of games that I know exist for this company that is worth literal billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. 
And this all becomes compounded right at the beginning of this interview by the fact that it was the, this Activision D- Blizzard deal was blocked in the UK. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think Phil was legitimately confused as to why. Just yeah. in the same way that we were all legitimately confused as to why. Because he said, we're cornering, they say that we're cornering a, a market that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> That's exactly the way yeah. that he's subscri- described it, is their issues were cloud gaming. And yeah. now, days later, right, the EU regulators have cleared this acquisition based on, well, okay, we will do this, but you have to allow your players to play the games on competing cloud gaming services. And it's like, um, okay, sure. Yeah. That's it? Okay, we can go oh, now. Oh no, darn drat! <laughs> yeah, you're really cutting into our bottom line there. It, you it you feel, got us. It feels like they the people who, and and this is a recurring issue, right? It feels like the people who sent this down the chain don't know what the cloud is or what cloud gaming is because it seems like they were like aha they can't have any exclusives but that's not true yeah <laughs> they just they just said hey you got to put the activision games on amazon luna that's what they said yeah that's uh, it's crazy to me how out of touch people who don't play video games are with video games, especially whenever they're making legal decisions. And of course I want the FTC and all um, the, all of the non-American FTC adjacent groups to be able to vet giant mergers like this, because this is one of the largest mergers that the world has probably seen. Oh yeah. Maybe ever. Yeah. Um, Certainly in terms of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And so I appreciate that what they're doing here. The problem is, I think they're, I think they're hitting the wrong thing here, Bucko. I think that <laughs> I, I just, I, I think getting hung up on that is a problem. Yeah. It's, I don't know. What did the FTC block it for? Do we? The remember? FTC didn't block it. Um, I was just on the Wikipedia page, and it said the FTC blocked it, so I might be crazy. I, I didn't hear anything about the FTC blocking it. It was only over in the uh, the UK that I oh, saw. Yeah. Um, the FTC revealed it as part of the Department of Justice. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see. The FTC expressed concerns that the acquisition would hard consumer of Activision Blizzard games and give Microsoft too much control over certain parts of the industry, such as cloud gaming. The FTC also pointed out that the acquisition of ZeniMax, which the FTC claimed that Microsoft had agreed to a concession from the EU to not make their games exclusive to Xbox that they later broke. In a statement made to Axios's Stephen Toledo, the EU the European Commission stated that they had cleared Microsoft acquisition of ZeniMax unconditionally as they say no, quote, material impact on the gaming market 
even if Microsoft made ZeniMax titles exclusive. So it's the same thing that we're seeing with the UK and the EU. They're just like, no, nah, that cloud gaming is just too much. What kind of video games are <laughs> these people in power playing? Like, are they just really big Amazon Luna fans? Like, I don't get well, it. Well, I think, I think it's confusion over the difference between cloud and digital. Now, if you had to automatically list, uh, you know, all of the Activision games on competing digital marketplaces, right? If you compl- if you if you replaced cloud with digital, then that would make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. But they didn't say that. They said cloud, and nope. I think it was one of those yep. things where everybody over at Microsoft was like, "So we're not going to tell them, right?" You're not going to yeah, tell so him. I'm not going to like, tell him. I'm not say anything. Are you going to say anything? It would be interesting if perhaps, perhaps, you see something sooner rather than later coming down the pike regarding PlayStation expanding their efforts at cloud gaming. Do we feel like that's almost a given? It, mm-hmm. It's it's like, well, you know, you've got to list it on PlayStation if we have a cloud gaming service. There are some that would almost say they already have a cloud gaming service, even though you can only play certain games on it. But you can stream games that are in the PlayStation Plus library. So is PlayStation going to start filing injunctions and stuff like that based on the fact that they have a cloud gaming service, even though it's not exactly that yet? Yeah. <sighs> oh man but playstation has enough on their plate right now because right this entire situation this entire discussion leads us all the way back to what is happening for the rest of this year and within the next month both activision who not well I was, they may be a part of one of these but Microsoft and Sony are going to have big showcases and you know it's around what used to be E3 time and now it's you know the summer game fest time and now we're going to figure out some things because one week raven from today as of this recording Sony is going to be holding an hour-long PlayStation Showcase, focusing on games coming to the PS5 and the PSVR 2. It will take place at 3 p.m. Eastern and will run for a bit over an hour. Here is a really, really, really interesting moment. Because I just... We've been waiting on presumably what this particular showcase is going to be from Sony for really a couple of years. It always feels Mm -hmm. like, oh, this next one's going to be the big one. And now, as rumor has it, especially with this running over an hour, this is going to be the big one. Yeah. I see nothing less right now than an opportunity for Sony... With consumer confidence in Xbox at an all-time low, particularly for this generation, to really do some damage and really take over the headlines. Yeah. An hour. 
They're they're going to get in there and they're going to say, "Hey, we have Spider Man," and everybody's going to lose their minds. And I that's, mean, that's all that they have to do. Go. Yeah, but they're everything else more. is literally icing on the cake. Yeah, and I saw a graphic earlier that somebody made, which thank God, because these people are doing the Lord's work. Amen. Let me just run through all of the Sony projects via the devs who are working on them real quick. Yeah, lay them. Because just about any of this, right, is somewhere on the table for this presentation. So Team Asobi, who are the people who did Astro's uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, Astro's Playroom, are working on some sort of a 3D action game right now. Uh, I think it's a very easy assumption that probably this is the next thing for Astro. Um, and I am all for that. Astro's Playroom was freaking awesome, and I think that they need to move forward with Astrobot in a in a major, major way because I think very literally, but also figuratively, that little robot has legs. Do you not think? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that, and it's like I understand that Playroom was, for all intents and purposes, meant to be a an ad right right but gosh darn it, it was, was that so not good. a fun ad to play it was so good I, it was just so good and i would love to continue to be able to play something play around with little astro because i think there's a lot there and i think it's a very talented team yeah um, and i think that we will definitely be seeing more of that here next week i i looked it up as you were talking about it and it's like oh the 24th that's a pretty long ways away and then you said next week and i said (laughs) 66 days oh you don't gotta remind me oh man uh so next we have sunker sucker punch who of course you know from infamous and most recently ghost of tsushima and they Uh are working on a some sort of multiplayer game and b some sort of narrative open world game now i think again it's fair to say they're probably working on something that has to do with ghost of Tsushima personally I would be inclined to believe that's the multiplayer game I think they're going to do a standalone ghost of Tsushima um, multiplayer that will be released alongside the movie whenever that comes out Uh, they're also working however on a narrative open world game that could be ghost of Tsushima 2 it's probably ghost of Tsushima 2 Um, but Raven we want it to be but it could really bad it could be informus. It could be informus. That's all I want it to be. Yeah. Is informus. I am so unbelievably optimistic that it's infamous and I cannot wait for my hopes to be dashed. Um, notably, I think Ghost of Shushima, correct me if I'm wrong, they've already they already have a multiplayer mode, correct? They they do, but it is within the Ghost of Tsushima game. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I wonder if they would just if that's maybe just being ported over as a standalone title. Um, I could see that happening. Port it over and expanded upon is the rumor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so I think that sticking with Ghost of Tsushima is not a bad idea necessarily because people like that game. People were like, damn, this is a good game. Yeah. 
Um, but, but man, I just I just want to play Infamous again. I yeah cannot explain how much I love that game series. I will never do it justice. <laughs> I just want to play it. Up next, Sony Santa Monica, the infamous Santa Monica studio, who has... But not the infamous studio. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, important <laughs> We to just got talking about them. Um, they have basically, other than external work that they've just like assisted on things, they've only ever made the God of War series. Uh, as they have only needed to, but they are working on a new AAA IP right now. And that makes me salivate. Because you're making a new IP, yeah. bro, let's go. Uh, they're also working on some sort of unannounced title. Insomniac is currently juggling three projects, finishing up Spider-Man 2, working on Wolverine, and some other sort of multiplayer project. You're going to hear a lot of multiplayer stuff um, just because of the fact, right, that as we've talked about before, PlayStation is starting a huge push toward multiplayer and live service they want to round out that part of their catalog and the next few years are going mm -hmm. to be big for that polyphony digital is working on the next gran turismo entry because of course they are we're probably not going to hear anything about that just came out last year yeah. uh gorilla is working on a, an unannounced horizon multiplayer title right now it's virtually confirmed they're also working on the horizon 3 single player um title and juggling sort of an external project as well um, I would not be shocked if the Horizon multiplayer title gets announced. And I would be shocked if the Naughty Dog multiplayer title, which is like 98% Last of Us Factions, does not get announced. Because it's definitely going to be announced. Uh, and they're also yeah. working on some new AAA narrative stuff. So... If this ended there, which it very much does not, we yeah. are going to keep going. But Raven, if it ended there, Xbox has problems. Yeah, it 100% does. I mean, it already does, but it has bigger problems than what it has now. Yeah. But you add to that Sony San Diego, and are you thinking... Wait, is that the MLB The Show guys? Yes, it is, but they've also made things such as uh, Drawn to Death and like Mod Nation Racers and a, a, a few other things. They're working on a third-person action game, so that's interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the London studio is working on an online multiplayer game, which is, quote, set in a modern-day fantasy London. It is a brand-new IP. You would remember them for uh, Blood and Truth, which was okay. a well-received VR game. And, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine this would be a PSVR 2 title. They did VR World. It's kind of what they do. Um, yeah. Sony Bend is working on some sort of a AAA new IP that includes multiplayer. Of course, most recently, uh, Sony Bend released Days Gone, but their history includes stuff such as, uh, and mostly consisting really of the Siphon Filter series. Um, and they also did a couple of uh, Uncharted Vita games that uh, 
Naughty Dog sort of gave them the the thumbs up to do. So mm-hmm. Sony Bend has a new IP after Days Gone was not super well received. I kind of feel like they're in a position to bounce back. So I'm excited to see whatever that is. Yeah, 100%. Media Molecule is working on some sort of a multiplayer live service. They just wound down all of their support and uh, stuff on Dreams. And they've also made things like Tearaway, Little Big Planet. So I, I would say oh, wow. yeah. this is um, probably something along those lines. They are like dreamers and they love sandbox stuff so if i had to put my money anywhere i would say this is some sort of like a maybe not a dreams maybe not a little big planet but it's something that is going to allow you to create and play with others which if we saw that dreams had that kind of potential so if they get it right could be a big deal Uh, yep absolutely i also didn't know that dreams was shutting down that's so sad yeah, it's it's not so I don't know that it's shutting down so much as they're not going to roll out support for it anymore. I don't know sure where where it sits in the middle there, but people have made some great things on Dreams, but I think ultimately it just needed to be a little bit more and it wasn't quite. So, yeah. House Mark who is coming off of the smash hit that was Returnal uh and has also made things like Rezogun, which I was like, I like to bring up Rezogun whenever I can. Um, because Rezogun was awesome. Uh, it was the first game I ever got through PlayStation Plus. It was really nice. Oh, wow. They're working on some sort of a new IP reportedly right now. So, hmm. Then we've got <clears throat> Fire Sprite and uh, Fabric, who are Fire Sprite recently bought. Fabric and uh, they work on mostly like PS VR stuff. They worked on Playroom VR, Horizon Call of the Mountain, etc. But it looks like they're juggling four different projects right now: a narrative adventure, IP action, uh, like a new action shooter, multiplayer action. So they're they're doing a lot of stuff. I don't think it's going to be like huge, and I think a lot of it is going to be them trying to nail down the. Um, the killer app for PlayStation VR two, which, you know, not so much of a, uh, a problem cause you're, you know, you're kind of trying to do that. Blue point is developing an original AAA IP. Um, this is sort of going to be their first, like huge, huge crack. That's not just like support. Uh, I mean, they took care of of Demon Souls and like Shadow of the Colossus, and so they're starting to really pick up stuff. But it's mostly been other people's IP that they've either been polishing or iterating on. Gravity Rush remastered stuff like that. So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen when they get a um, a bite at the apple. Haven, which is Jade Raymond's new studio, they're still working on a AAA multiplayer IP. Remember, Jade Raymond is the person who came up with both Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed. So, yep. in, in in short, um, let's go. Um, Sony Malaysia's working on some stuff, apparently. And then, 
Bungie is working on a new AAA IP that is going to be for PlayStation. And let's not forget Firewalk, who just got bought by PlayStation, presumably because whatever they're working on is so freaking good. Not to take into account the fact that there are at least nine projects out there that are somewhat PlayStation exclusive, at least, that is by some sort of ex-dev, external development studio. So we've got Rise of the Ronin from Team Ninja, Firewall Ultra from First Contact, uh, Stellar Blade, Shift Up, um, Death Stranding 2 from Kojima Productions is still out there, and there's other stuff on down the line that like all of these different studios like Arrowhead are working on. And let me tell you what, if... Four or five, just four or five new titles get announced. Xbox better have something really, really special up their sleeve next month. But we know they don't. And I think that's the problem. <laughs> I think that there's stuff coming on the horizon, but I really don't think that it's this year. I think that they were banking on coasting well i guess they might because starfield was pushed back right we know about starfield but what happens after right and so that's what i was gonna say is that like right now could be the perfect layup opportunity for them we get a big reveal it's like you guys liked redfall you guys liked starfield here are some more games that we have coming out the problem is starfield hasn't come out yet so they're going to inevitably have to talk about starfield in their next presentation and then they're not able to like get people as hype for the Redfall DLC, I'm certain they're going to announce. So what other new games do they show? I think it's still too early to see anything more about Fable. I think that we probably won't see that until probably 2025, if I had to guess. But until then, what are any of these companies hopefully picking up on, you know? Right. There's so few announced projects, and there are so many studios. Yeah. It's like they have to be working on something. But what is it they could be working on, I wonder? Well, we will figure that out soon. And for now, next week, we are going to discuss what... The next time we speak, Raven, we will know so much more from from mm -hmm. Sony. A lot mm -hmm. of the questions that I just put forward will probably be answered. And, Raven, I answered absolutely verbatim. cannot <laughs> wait. But until then, please let the people know where they can find us. They can find us at Making Fun Pod on Twitter and Facebook. They can find you, Casey Johnson, over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Casey on the Drums. And they can find me, Raven Stadmiller, uh, on Twitter. Technically, I uninstalled it from my phone, but I check it if I'm bored at work. Um, they can find our podcast wherever they listen to podcasts too. If they're currently listening to me speak this long monologue, hey, congratulations! I'm very proud of you. Please consider subscribing if you haven't already. It doesn't cost you anything. You're notified of all of our new episodes, and you can listen to Casey and I get up to talk about video games. Um, fun fact this week. I, I'm really bad at coming up with fun facts. That's my fun fact. Why, why, I, <laughs> why did I you always... choose to make something that you're so bad at your signature? <laughs> I, okay, I, I don't know. Because... <laughs> 
it's not like we don't have weeks where I can like think of things that I could jot down and then just have a list in front of me that I could work with. No, I always, without fail, forget until this very second that it's my responsibility to be able to come out of the gate with a fun fact. Something that I determined on my own for myself. You could Google it as you're saying the rest of the monologue. You just don't. No. I think it's funnier this way. I think that my ineptitude is a certain amount of charm about me. You know, that's what Emily tells me anyway. <laughs> I don't think that's what she means by that. Either way, Raven, thank you so much <laughs> hey. for joining me on this journey. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Next week, we will be back to recap all of the action from the Sony press conference, d- digital, d- I don't know what we call them anymore, but... Until next time, please do me a favor. Go out and brighten someone's day. Goodbye.